Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. So for some of you who may have had a not-so-good-a-year in 2011, hey, keep 2011 where it is. Look forward. Look forward. Go ahead. Move on. Hallelujah. Forget those things that are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Because in Christ, you can always have a hopeful expectation. So not only is it, is it your right to have it, but it's actually your obligation as a believer. Yeah. Amen. Because see, here's the thing. Jesus, the Bible says that Christ has become, past tense, has become, Hebrews 9.11, our high priest of the good things to come. So as long as you, when you're in Christ and you're seated in heavenly places with him, you're a child of God, then good things are coming into your life. So then you must expect those things to happen for you because that's what Christ is ensuring for you. Hallelujah. So if last year wasn't so good, put a better expectation, a bigger expectation on this year. You have every right to as a child of God, and I want to encourage you to do that. Believe for big things. Believe for greater things this year. Don't just let one more year go by where you just kind of take what life hands you. No, you take control. The Bible says that you've been put on this earth. The church of the living God is growing. Jesus is building his church. It's moving. It's expanding. It's increasing. And we all have an obligation as believers, members of that body, to do everything we can to make sure that it continues to move forward. Amen? How many of you are on the same construction site as Jesus? Huh? It's a real bummer. It's a real bummer when you find out you're working on something and Jesus isn't in it with you. Huh? But Jesus is in the building of his church. And so as long as you're in the business of building the church of the living God, you're right on the same construction site as the greatest general contractor who ever lived, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? So I want to encourage you this year to look up, look forward, and believe God for greater things in your life. Believe God not only for greater things coming into your life, but greater things flowing out of your life. That however God has affected you will begin to affect others around you. Amen. That you will truly be that witness that God's called you to be. So you come here because I'm called by God to train you for the work of the ministry. Did you know that? Did you know that? That's what the scripture teaches. Amen. A lot of people think the pastors are all supposed to be doing all the work of the ministry. No, I'm training you for the work of the ministry. This is your deal, right? Just getting the tools in your hands and feeding you every week so that you'll go out there healthy and strong and ready to do the work of the kingdom of God. So look, look, set goals this year that will absolutely have to have God's intervention. If you set goals for all that you can do, then you've not welcomed God to be your partner this year. Amen. Set goals so high that God has to be involved in order for those things to be accomplished. Can can any of you dream big enough for that? To to bring God's partnership, his super on your natural. Amen. His extra on your ordinary and make things great. Amen. You can't expect it and I want to encourage you to expect that because, because God is already on your side. 
He loves you. He's with you. He's a very present help in time of need. And the cool thing is, is that he always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So whatever challenges you're going to face this year, whatever trouble you're going to find yourself in, hey, listen to me, it doesn't have a chance against someone who's connected and partnered with the king of the universe. I like 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, whatever is born of God. Anyone born of God in here? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Hallelujah. So I'm going to encourage you to walk by faith like you've never walked by faith before. Amen. Don't get settled with just settling, just coping, just dealing, just existing. Huh? Be the church. Be that overcoming force in the earth called the body of Christ. We're not here to just be one among many. We're here to take over. Because all of our enemies have been defeated. And God expects us to take our rightful place on this earth as his body and establish his kingdom here. Amen. Anybody excited about that? And I want to say thank you to Mary Beth Winchell for putting together this year's uh, scripture readings. Thank you so much. And Brother Mark for starting that thing off. Is that cool or what? Isn't that great? I'm really excited about that. And uh, thank you. And I also want to say congratulations to a couple here. Mr. and Mrs. David Femister, David and Isabella, who were married yesterday here at One Cause Church. And so they decided, because they love church so much, to spend their honeymoon at One Cause Church. How cool is that, huh? That's my assumption. I mean, you got to really love church to put off the honeymoon. Now, I think the, the lady's fine with that, but I'm not too sure how the guy's going to deal with that, right? <laughs> All right, turn to Luke chapter 10 today. Luke chapter 10, I am really excited to bring you this word. I want to uh, encourage you to get a helve on 2012. A helve. H-E-L-V-E. Do you know what that means, teacher? Oh, you don't know? Okay. Well, I'm teaching you today. It means handle. Getting a handle on 2012. Get a, I just had to try to rhyme as best as I could, guys. There's not too many words that rhyme with 12, but helve is one of them. Not hell. Helve. There was a couple who were sitting with a marriage counselor for their first session, and the good doctor asked them to identify what seemed to be the root of their problems, and the wife responded, it all started when we thought it would be a, be a cute idea to think up each other's New Year's resolutions. All right, Luke chapter 10. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Or one version says, Mary has chosen better, which will not be taken away from her. So before you get swept up into the fury of this new year, I, I, want, I want to give you some steps to take that'll help you keep a health on 2012. Are you with me? How many of you this year spent some of the holidays with your in-laws? How many of you aren't afraid to admit that? <laughs> you wish that that was so, that you're further away from that moment. No, I'm just kidding. No, some of you maybe were even hosting them, and, and sometimes that can be a stressful thing. But can you imagine what Martha is going through? She's hosting the Son of the Living God. Wow. Now there's an opportunity for pressure, right? She had the chance to host God in her own home. She had this unique opportunity to create this, this special moment, this special memory, this time where she could cherish in her heart for the rest of her days. And it should have been a happy moment, but in the end, it became a day of worry and anxiety for Martha. And I believe that a lot of us here can identify. There are times where we, like her, have the opportunity to create a really wonderful memory, time. But if we aren't careful, the only thing we'll end up with is stress, worry. And if you're not careful, that stress can do, take all the fun out of life. Amen? If you don't take care of that stress and anxiety, it's going to take care of you. And I want you to look for a moment at verse 41. Jesus said to her, you're worried and upset about many things. You're worried and you're troubled about many things. See, the first thing that it affects here is your physical body. Stress, it's not, we're not designed to stress. We're not designed to be anxious and to worry and to fear. You know, the Mayo Clinic said that 80 to 85% of its total caseload was the result of anxiety and worry. Another article quotes a doctor saying 70% of all medical patients could cure themselves if they could just stop worrying. 70%. Remember I talked to you about this before, how I had a friend who was a paramedic, and I asked him what percentage of those ambulance runs that he made were actually authentic calls. They actually needed medical assistance. And he said somewhere between 4 to 6% are authentic calls. He said, but the truth is, he said, they really believe that they need it. So we always have to go. But it's this anxiety, worry, and fear that so grips people's lives. 112 million Americans take medicine for stress-related symptoms. That's a problem. That's a third of our country. There was this uh, article some time ago in the Tahoma, Washington newspaper carried the story about this little basset hound named Tattoo. He didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut the dog's leash in the car door and took off for a drive, little Tattoo had no choice in the deal. And uh, this motorcycle officer noticed it happening. The name is Officer Filbert, and he noticed that the passing vehicle had something dragging behind it. He commented that the poor little basset hound was picking them up and putting them down as quickly as he could. <laughs> he 
He chased the car to a stop, and Tattoo was rescued, fortunately, but not before the dog had reached a top speed of 25 miles per hour, falling down and rolling over several times. Listen to me. I want to encourage you today. Give yourself an absolute break. Don't let life just drag you around through life circumstances, through the things that happen in your life. See, while, while you just, and you're just trying to keep up as best as you can, let the peace of God do what it does to lead you and to guide you. Let me give you a cure for it. Philippians chapter four, verse six says, be anxious for nothing. Now, I know sometimes that trouble can seem very difficult, and I know that you can feel like you're the only one on planet Earth that's experiencing that. But before you get all tied up in your business, in your trouble, don't forget, everybody else has trouble too. All right? They'll never know how I feel. Nobody, nobody understands. Yeah, they do. You need to get a different perspective right now about your trouble. Hmm? And if, you, if you're having a hard time with that, just go to the VA hospital. Walk around there and see those vets who have lost limbs and see if, see if your trouble's all that bad. Get in a plane and fly over across the country to India or Mozambique, Africa, and see a kid whose stomach is swelled out to here and hasn't eaten in days. Let's compare trouble for a little bit. Hmm? Hmm? Amen? So... This says, be anxious for nothing. You're not the exception to the rule. This applies to you too, for nothing. Here's, the, here's how you do it. In everything by prayer. See, God expects us to talk to him. He expects us to invite him into our life and let him be the help that he can be and that he is and that he's available to be. He expects us to call on him in our day of trouble, knowing that he'll answer us. He expects us to look to him to be our provision. Amen? Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I like that. With thanksgiving. Which means, if you're thanking him for it, then you can expect it to be done. Why in the world are you going to thank God for something if, if you're just hoping that it happens? Thank you, Lord. I hope. No. He says, hey, with thanksgiving. When you come and make your, your prayers known to God, you can do it with thanksgiving because you know that he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, then you know that you have what you've asked for. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Because you've asked according to his will. What's his will? Believe him. Yeah. Believe him. That's God's will. Believe him. Have faith in God. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. And listen to this. And let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, here's the promise, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Let 2012 be a year where peace is guarding every part of your life. Let it guide you and direct you so that you're not having to be led by feelings, by emotions, by hope souls, by wishful thinking, but the peace of God. Hallelujah. You can know wherever, whatever turn you make, whatever road you go down, the peace is leading you. You'll do much less physical harm to yourselves, truly. You'll do much less physical harm to yourselves, even this year, if you want to get a little crazy. Overeat, don't overreact. All right? 
All right, let's go. So it affects her physically. She's worried and troubled. And then, and then we see something, another way that this affects Martha, relationally. Martha, she's in that kitchen, man. She's slicing and dicing. She's cooking and she's cleaning. She's consumed by all the things that she's doing and overwhelmed by all the things that she needs to do. She's in there working away. She turns over to Mary to talk to her and only to find Mary's not in the kitchen anymore. She's all alone there. Looking through the doorway, she can see her sister and all the disciples all sitting around Jesus' feet, just feeding on his word and listening to him. All of a sudden, she feels very alone in what she's doing. Even though she's in a house full of all these people that she loves very much and who truly love her, she suddenly feels like nobody's with her. She's feeling abandoned and taken advantage of, and this has caused their relationship to be strained. Anybody here relate to Miss Martha right now? Yeah. Hmm? And then she just gets angry about it. And you can hear it in her words when she says, my sister's left me here. See, stress also affects your perspective. What it does is it, it actually prevents you from seeing anything other than yourself and your own situation. To some degree, we all know what she's feeling here. There have been times when you've all felt that as if you were the only ones doing all the work. Can I get a good amen from the wives? Well, y'all didn't have any problem saying amen there, did you? Huh? I feel like you're the only one doing all the work and no one seems to notice your work and sacrifice, especially when you're raising kids. Kids hardly ever thank you. And you end up feeling unappreciated and alone in what you're doing. And just like Martha and Mary, stress can strain the, the closest and best relationships. My sister's left me. Can you see, can you tell her to come in here? Can you imagine what this must have been like for everybody in the house? Walks out there, hair all disheveled, food all over her apron, got her ladle in her hand, right? She comes in there and everybody's just sitting at Jesus' feet. Can you tell her to come in here to help me? Right? And Andrew's leaning over to John. Awkward. I mean, if your responsibilities make you difficult to live with, ladies and gentlemen, then there's something wrong with how you're dealing with them. Hmm? Hallelujah. And look at this. Then it affects her not only physically and relationally, but it affects her spiritually. Look at verse 40. She says, Lord, don't you care? Do you not care? Now, I don't think everybody ought to raise their hands in here, but I think we can all a little relate to this prayer a little bit too, huh? Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? See, it sounds like a question, but it's really an accusation. Huh? Don't you care, Lord, that I'm in here all by myself? See, the, mo mo the worry of that moment only not only had driven a wedge between her and her sister, but now it's even caused her to question the Lord's care for her. Don't you care what I'm going through, Lord? Can't you see I'm the only one working here? Can't you see nobody's helping me? You not see that this isn't fair here, Lord? Hmm? 
And see, here's the thing. If you're not careful about that, you'll, you'll begin to resent the very ones that you love. Some believe that stress is caused when we try to just do it all. But the truth is, stress occurs when we try to do it without him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's an answer for you. But with God, all things are possible. I want to give you just a couple of steps to take with you into your life to help you keep a handle on things this year. Is that all right? Number one, know your limits. See, Martha opened her home to him. If you'll notice, that's, this is what happened. She invited Jesus to come over to her house. He didn't invite himself. He didn't ask for a big elaborate meal. Her anxiety was the product of her own choices. Yahoo! Huh? You have to know your own limits. See, when you get outside of what you can really do, then you try to live up to these unrealistic expectations that you've built up in your mind. I've had a, a struggle in my life concerning unrealistic expectations. It's become a habit over time, and sometimes I think I've learned to deal with it, but sometimes I slip back into it. And that is, when I go to unload my car, Heather shows up at the house with bags of groceries, I am determined to get every one of those groceries in one trip. <laughs> right? I'm going to line the bags up on my arm. Get everything. All the guys are nodding their heads. You know exactly what I'm I'm not going back to that car. All right? It's a one-time deal. If milk gets left in the car, I'm not going back to get it. It's going to spoil. It's got one chance to get on my arm or it's staying in the car. Right? So... <clears throat> I don't know how many times bags have broken, stuff has spilled out, you know, and then trying to chase fruit around while you got these bags and just look like a mess. Or if we go out of town and we've got all this luggage, I'm to get all the straps, you know, the luggage on this side and this side, get a good X across here with straps and then anything with handles. And, uh, what are you doing, honey? Oh, honey, don't worry about it. I can handle this. <laughs> Don't laugh so hard. You look like that too, guys. I know. We all have done that before. The truth is, though, you can't do it all. And I've learned over time to use my kids to my advantage. Carry this in the house. It's a lot more fun being king of the house than move. <laughs> Peasant children. <laughs> no, I, I've learned, really. I mean, how much easier is that to just include them in and to carry the load with me? There's another scripture that says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's teaching us that you really can't handle all of it. You really can't do it all. Share it. Amen? Know your limits. And understand that God put you on planet Earth not to be by yourself. Not to be the one and only, 
but to depend on others and depend on him. That's what the church is here about. Do you remember what Hebrew, I mean, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says that every joint supplies, that we all have something to give, right? If you're doing all the giving, then other people can't contribute into your life. And we come in here together in fellowship, giving and receiving from one another. And this is how the body of Christ is healthy. It's how it grows. Amen? So you're not here to do it all, because you can't. Be who you are and do what you do. You can do all things through Christ, but not in your own ability. This is why I'm encouraging you this year to have a year where you're in full partnership with the one who is able to do all things. You'll go so much further. I'm telling you what, you'll just go so much further. I, I mean, I'm telling you, Heather and I have found that in, in our giving. When we started contributing to the church, started tithing, well, let me just tell you this. It wasn't easy in the beginning. It's not always easy, but it's something that we just learned how it helped our lives. It's always increased us all every year. Our lives have increased every year by being in partnership with God. Not because we just started making a whole lot more money, if you're going to make a whole lot of money, I don't suggest going into the ministry. <laughs> but when you're partnered with God, you can do anything. Yes. And when we were first married, I was making a whopping 800 bucks a month before taxes. <laughs> you know, paying an apartment. And when we went to write that, that tithe check, you know, it was sometimes with a shaky hand. I have to admit it wasn't easy and isn't always easy but I've never seen God fail us, ever, ever. And I've found that he can do more with the 90% that I have than I can do with the 100%. Found out that being partnered with God really is something spectacular. He really is bigger and better than me and a whole lot smarter. Amen. Amen. Know your limits. Number two, choose what's better. Let this be a year where you make better choices. She says, my sisters left me to do the work. Now, when we read this, you can assume that Mary wasn't even in there, but apparently she was at one point and just left. But can't you see Mary? We can, we can understand her as she's in this kitchen working right alongside her sister and suddenly she comes to her senses and realizes, wait a second, God is sitting in the living room and I'm in here peeling potatoes. Hmm? So she puts it down and just walks out to sit at the Savior's feet. Martha, on, on the other hand, was so consumed with what she had to do that she seemed to forget who she was doing it for. See, that's the risk that you run in this world. The activity of life can become so frantic that you forget who you're really living for and what life is really about. Mary recognized the significance of that moment, that it was not determined by what was served or by the gifts that were given, but by who was in the house. Jesus has a way of helping us 
keep things in perspective. It's interesting how things that were once so important instantly become irrelevant when Jesus steps into the room. The moment our gaze gets fixed on him, all of a sudden what's really important is there before us. And everything else seems so fleeting because it is. So temper. Think about this. It's so important that for the rest of eternity, we'll never get over our gaze on him. We'll never get over him. And for ages to come, the word of God teaches us he's going to unfold the riches of his grace. We get to heaven, life is really just going to start. And you see him for the first time, the one who bled and died for you, the one who rescued you out of your sin, the one who took your place. God is love, and in him, and he is light, and there's no darkness in him at all. I think about that day when we're all going to stand and give account of our lives before God, because we all, we all are. Each of us will stand before him and give an account of our life. And for some, it's going to be, they're going to see love in person. I can't hardly wrap my mind around this, but I try to understand it. They're going to see love in person. They're going to look love in the eyes. God is love. And at that moment, they're really going to understand everything. Only to hear love say, I never knew you. Aren't you glad that today you know him? Though you have not seen him. I like that, the words of that song that Darlene Check wrote. Though I have not seen him, my heart knows him well. Hmm? Because when love looks at you as a believer, as a child of God, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. He has a way of helping. So be, let me just encourage you, be willing to drop whatever it is that you're doing at any given moment for a moment with him. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Choose the better thing over the good thing. Can I encourage you to keep your church attendance up this year? Huh? See, Sunday morning is good. Wednesday nights, too, is better. All right. Thank you for your enthusiasm today. <laughs> All my Wednesday night crowd amen me. Everybody else was like, hmm, that's funny. Spend quality time with your Savior in prayer and in the Word. Amen? I, I encourage you to read your Bibles, and I, I think you should read your Bibles. But don't just read it just to say, I did it. You know? We have these Bible reading programs and things like that, and I, I think they're wonderful, but I think a lot of times they cause us to be more dutiful readers than inspired readers. 
just, just getting through the three chapters to say, all right, check this day, right? Rather than taking some scripture, some piece of scripture, and just spending that time meditating on it. I found a lot more fruit out of that in my life, reading smaller portions of scripture and just spending some time thinking about it. You know, the word of God says that for his delight is in the law of the Lord, Psalm 1, and in his law he meditates day and night. Reading and meditation go together, all right? That's just not some Eastern religion thing. That's something we're supposed to do. Okay, keep moving. Martha complains, my sister's left me to, to do the work, but Jesus says Mary's chosen what's better. See, Jesus' perspective is the right perspective, ladies and gentlemen. And the moment he helps you get the right perspective, then just go with what he says. That makes life so much easier. She had a choice to make. Her choice was not between what was good or bad. Martha wasn't doing anything bad, was she? No, she invited Jesus over supper. She's cooking supper for him. How bad is that? Right? She had to choose between what was good and what was better. Mary chose what was better. How can you know the difference between what's good and what's better? Ask yourself this question, will it last? Will it last? Jesus said, Jesus said, Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken from her. Though Martha was doing what was very essential, Mary was doing something eternal. See, this is what we're really living our lives for. We have this one shot, one chance at life here on this earth. And whatever you're doing right now is storing up rewards in heaven. And then you got that forever. So spend your life for eternity, for things that will last. Invest your thinking and your time, your purpose into what's going in up there, not what's just going to fade away here. Because you can't take any of it with you. Paul said you came into this world with nothing, you're going out with nothing. I don't care how many packs of cigarettes they stuff in your coffin. I don't care how many cards or how much money, it ain't going to do you any good. You're deader than a doornail. Right? I say that because I've been to funerals where they, you know, had like packs of cigarettes in the pocket, you know, or, you know, cigars or something like that. What's he going to do with that? Man, take that out and smoke it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Amen. Can we, can we all bow our heads for just a moment? Hallelujah. Father, I want to say thank you for this time under your, in your presence. Thank you for your word, God, that truly is, truly stands the test of time and that you watch over your word to perform it. Lord, in these next few moments, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper and we're going to remember who you are, what you, who you are in our lives, what you've done for us, and we thank you for that. At this time, before we receive the Lord's Supper, I, I just want to ask you